You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. So this morning, we're continuing in our series in 1 Corinthians, and I've got a question for you. How, this is kind of a, this is real, I want you to raise your hand, but it's kind of a gimme question. This is a softball question. How many of you have friends and family and neighbors and co-workers that you one day want to see in heaven? How many of you have people like that? Yeah, that's a gimme question, all right? That was just see if you're awake and listening, actually. So uh, second question, how many of you have at least two of those people that you know today? So at least two, could be 50, but at least two that you know that don't know Jesus, that have never surrendered their life to Jesus Christ, that, that if this thing we call life were to end, that they would not be on their way to heaven. How many of you have at least two of those people in your life that you care about? Okay. If we're really honest and looking around, probably most, if not all of us, are in that same boat. Well, this morning, we're going to talk about that. And uh, Paul the Apostle is deeply burdened for people um, who are in that boat. And he, his whole goal in life was to do everything that he possibly could to see as many people as possible that when they die, they end up in eternity in heaven. They had a relationship with Jesus. And so God is challenging us, I believe, as a church to join Paul in that mission. And uh, we want to focus on that today. So turn with me, if you would, at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to be looking in just a minute, uh, reading with you and starting in verse 19. 1 Corinthians 9, 19. It's on the screen if you don't have a Bible there with you. You know, Paul... Paul, as he was writing to this, this people in Corinth, they just really had trouble understanding what he was all about as an apostle. In fact, the first half of the chapter, he's really giving them a reason why um, that he as an apostle should be listened to, and he's really giving them uh, a, a validation or a basis why uh, that, that they have a responsibility to him. And we're not going to take time to look at, at most of that. Honestly, we just don't have the, the, the time or bandwidth to do that. But he kind of shifts the gears in the middle of this chapter, and he explains to them why he's this crazy guy going all around the world telling people about Jesus. He's beaten, and he's stoned, and he's you know left for dead, and he's shipwrecked, and he's, he's just in this crazy, I mean, living this crazy life, and he's explaining to them why he's going through all that trouble because they just didn't get it. They didn't understand what it was all about. So read with me if you would, and we'll catch the, up with Paul in this part of the story. Here's what he says in verse 19. He says this, For though I am free from all, he's free from everybody is what he's saying. I, I owe nobody nothing. I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, that would be a Jew, I became as one under the law. I lived like that Jewish life, though not being myself under the law. Paul is saying, listen, I'm a man of grace. I'm saved by grace. I don't have to keep any rules in order to earn my salvation. So I lived like that for their benefit, even though I'm really a guy about grace. My salvation comes by grace. And he did that for this reason, in verse 20, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, in other words, like everybody else, that would be you and me, I became as one outside the law, 
not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. I wasn't this reckless, crazy guy. I was living like everybody else in the world, but I, Jesus, had full authority in my life, is what he's saying. Here's why. That I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become, here's the point, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. And I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Pray with me, would you? Father, we love Kids Day, and we're so grateful to be together with families and kids and children. And Lord, it is a true privilege to open your word this morning. Lord, it's a privilege just that you gave us your word and you have uh, written it, inspired men from centuries and millennia down through the ages for our benefit. And God, to be able to read it publicly and to share and to learn at your feet from your Bible is truly a precious treasure today. Lord, I pray that you would help us to hear your truth I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would speak into our hearts, would convict us, would challenge us, would encourage us, would grow us, would love us right where we are this morning. Father, I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Paul, as he is writing to the church, his bottom line thing here, he's like, guys, if you really want to know what I'm all about, I am willing to do anything within my power to shift and adapt and adjust my culture, my lifestyle, so that other people might have the benefit of knowing Jesus. I become everything to everybody else so that by all means, by any method possible, I might win some of them to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to notice three things here this morning as you and I think about that. Now, this is... This is a little crazy for us because Paul is like, I I'm doing this for the entire world. Nobody here this morning is called an apostle. He's living a life and a lifestyle that we're not called to. God has not called you and me to live quite this way. However, we're going to see along the way that God does want us to have a piece of that in our life. He wants us to live this out in some ways. And I think as we look at these three things, it'll be clear. But if you, if you and I are going to have an impact in our friends and our family... Our community, uh, people that just live here in, in Albany County and Schenectady County and Gilderland and this area, three things that we need to know and be aware of this morning. First thing that you need to know is attitude is everything. It's everything, right? There is a truth. If you think you're going to fail at something, you probably are going to. You know, if it already automatically you think, well, I'm not even going to try because I'm not even going to do very good at it. I know you're, you're going to just because of the attitude, you're not going to try as much. You're not going to believe you're not going to put yourself out there and you fail before you begin. That's not exactly what we're talking about here. But I want you to notice what Paul says when I say attitude is everything. Notice carefully in verse 19 what he says. He says, though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I, and here's his whole point, that I might win more of them. Paul says, I'm free. I don't owe anybody in this world anything. I owe nobody nothing. I'm free from everybody. But I voluntarily, of my own accord, I owe no, nobody has done anything that I owe them. 
I voluntarily have made myself a slave, a servant to all of them. This, this kind of slave was a unique kind of slave. You know, in the Roman Empire, there were two kinds of slaves primarily. Most of them were slaves by force. You get captured in war and get hauled off. Nobody wakes up in the morning wanting to be enslaved at all. And these individuals were by force. They were made to, to be owned by other individuals. But there was another kind of slavery that was, was we would call a bond servant. A servant, somebody that by their bond made them a servant to others. And if you were someone that said, I want to serve that guy the rest of my life. Sean, why would somebody do that? Yeah, right. I'm not sure that I'm ready to go there. But what it speaks of is that person having such great care and such great concern that all of the people that worked for him or her, that there would be somebody that would say, I want to be like your servant the rest of your life. And if that was you, what you would do is, if you saw somebody that you wanted to put yourself under their protection, under their care, and to be their servant for life, you would go to their door and you would take the lobe of your ear and a nail and a hammer in your hand. And you and I can't vision how somebody would do this himself. You probably had somebody else do it. But you would have your ear nailed, essentially, that nail right through your ear into the door, and then there would be a ring in your ear as a reminder that you voluntarily bonded yourself to that individual as their servant. Here's what Paul is saying. I, of my own accord, have done that for every individual in the entire human race. He says, I owe them, not because... Uh, I'm free for them, but I'm doing it voluntarily. Paul surrendered himself to humanity. He put himself in the frame of mind and the attitude that he was morally obligated to serve the world in order that many of them would have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So when Paul got up in the morning, I don't care if he was going next door to Tractor Supply or going to Price Chopper or... Hannaford or, you know, or going to Target or wherever, every person that he saw, he had already made the decision in his heart that he was their servant. And his sole purpose in their life was for their benefit, that they might have the blessing and the privilege to know the God of heaven through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what it meant for him to be an apostle. By the way, there are no apostles today. Uh, anyone that calls themselves an apostle today doesn't have that kind of commitment, not, at least not any that I've seen. And one of the qualifications to be an apostle, you had to be an eyewitness of Jesus, personally tutored by Jesus himself, and that ain't happening in today's world, all right? So, but Paul was that kind of apostle. Sean, that's a little crazy. I, that's a little overwhelming. I, I don't want to take personal responsibility for everybody in Gilderland. I don't want to take personal responsibility for everybody in and Rotterdam, for everybody in the capital region, it's like 900,000 people. That's crazy, right? I don't, anybody have the emotional energy for that this morning? Anybody got, everybody who has enough people to be worried about already under your orbit, like, right, right? You got enough things going on. Well, that's why Paul was an apostle. They didn't get it, and he was explaining it to them. Here's my point for you and me. God's not calling you and me to take personal responsibility for every individual around us. However, He is calling us to take personal responsibility for some, for a few, 
for some of those individuals around us. God is calling us to have that same kind of servant mindset attitude. What happens is, is when you and I don't have that mindset that we have a responsibility to serve those around us, that God put us at our job where we are, put us at the school where we are, that God put us in the neighborhood where we are. Wait a minute, Sean, I made all those choices. Yeah, you did make those choices, but God was the one who was also working behind the scenes and doing some other things and you landing in all of those spots as well. And God wants you to serve individuals in each of those spheres and those, in those realms and your family and all of that because He wants to use you to win some of those individuals into a personal relationship with Him. So you don't need to be this crazy person, but you do need to be a quarter crazy person, a tenth of a crazy person, right? Can some of you qualify for that? Yeah, some of you are a little crazier than others. Uh, We won't name any names here this morning, but we are all called to win some. Second thing I want you to notice, so attitude means everything. Because if you don't have that attitude that you are accountable, that before God, that you are morally responsible, that the God of heaven wants to use you, you have failed already. And when you get to heaven, you're not going to be able to look around and say, oh my goodness, I got to share with this person. I invited that person to church. That person blew me off and said I was the biggest jerk because I tried to do something. What do you know? God used that after all. You won't have that privilege. You will miss out on that reward for all of eternity because at the end of the day, Paul's desire was like, he wanted to get to heaven and look around and see all those people that he had an influence. And so you and I are in the same boat that we want to see that same thing. Second thing I want you to notice, not only is attitude everything, But the second thing you need to realize is that we have to build bridges, not walls. If you and I are to be faithful with those few around us, as well as those few that we go to other places, that's why we go to Mexico to share the gospel and plant churches and help the pastor there that's working in that community, Tolanka. We have to build bridges and not barriers. Look what Paul says in verse 20. He says this, he says, "...to the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews." Bottom line, jump down. He says, uh, he says, I become all things, in verse 22, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. Notice that Paul saw as his job to cross the barrier that naturally landed between him and other people. As a Jew, as a good Jew, born and brought up that way, he shouldn't have been hanging out with non-Jews. But Paul said, I'm going to be uncomfortable. He didn't know what that was like. He was never brought up in that world. But he said, I'm going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to hang out with people that are not like me. I'm going to get to know. I'm going to live. Now that I know Jesus, I'm actually not really quite the Jew that I was when I was growing up. But now that I'm following Jesus, I'm going to go back and be uncomfortable I'm going to live in their world. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I don't care if it's a biker guy. (laughs) I don't care if it's a gamer nerd. I don't care if black, white, yellow, red. I'm going to do whatever it takes to engage everybody around me. And my job is to leave my comfort zone, to leave, leave my you know safety and where I am and to put myself out there and to go where they are. This summer we did, uh, as a church, we sponsored uh, three block parties. 
and uh, two in, in Albany, one in Colony. One of them in Albany got rained out. I mean, just remember the crazy windstorm that blew through here? I don't know if you guys remember Albany flood and a lot of trees went down. We were supposed to have a block party right in the middle of that storm, literally. And uh, so we didn't, that one didn't make. But we probed intentionally three different neighborhoods because we're looking for a place where there are people that are interested in connecting with others and open spiritually into like a church, and as, but they are in a neighborhood that maybe is underserved. So we went to a couple of parks in, in Albany and we went to um, the, the West Albany Park there in, in Colony. And the one in Colony, we had, I think, well, like 800 door hangers were put, were put out and we had like 15 family units that showed up. That's actually phenomenal, especially when we put the door hangers up. They were so windy. They were blowing in the streets and everything. I mean, like we were having to fold them up and stick them in. I bet half of them weren't ever even found, literally. So we had a lot of people that came. And what was amazing to me is the conversations we, we had with individuals is they, none of them went to church regularly anywhere. So is there a need? Absolutely. And, and even though there's good churches in Colony, but for whatever reason, they weren't there and weren't connecting or whatever. And, and they were open to talk about spiritual things. And they were like, why are you guys here? Like, why would you just, you know, come to a free block party? And this was not a high pressure anything. They just, we had a party and, and they just enjoyed it. And here's the two barriers we saw whenever we talked to them about river. And, and it's why we went to them, crossing the barrier. The first, they said, well, that's way over in Gilderland. I'm thinking, way over? Like, like we're just across the throughway. I mean, like 15 minutes from here, 20 tops, you know? And that's in bad traffic. Way over in Gilderland. But psychologically, they're on the other side of the throughway, you know? I mean, Christians will drive a distance to go to another church, but people who aren't really into that, you're not going to spend 20 and 30 minutes. Oh, I think today I'm going to drive way over here so I can go to church. People that don't know Jesus aren't willing to do that. And, you know, the second thing we heard, this one you may guess, so don't be offended, but they're right. Uh, their perception is common anyway. Gilderland, they're so snobby over there. Yeah, South Colony, right? There's that whole rivalry, right? There are some snobby. Folks, there are snobby people in Gilderland. There are. I hope it's not you. I hope. I told them we're not snobby. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is we did a party in South Colony, so that by definition means that we're not those guys, right? But two psychological barriers. I would love for our church to start a church in South Colony. That's why we went over there. There's obviously a need. It's our job as a people, not just as a church, but I use that as an illustration. For you individually, it's your job to go to the other individuals. Think, think about it this way. I've taken it a little bit more fishing the last few years. I know enough to have fun, like maybe seven or eight, nine times a year in the summer I'll go fishing. Know enough to have fun, uh, far from an expert, and really I'm not that great at it. And I'll tell you, in all my vast experience of wisdom now with fishing, I have as of yet to see a fish jump out of the water and into my boat. It just hasn't happened. In fact, every time when you hook one and you get close, after you miss a couple, when you go to bring it in and realize they get off the hook, you go out and you buy a net. You realize, okay, I'm not messing around. Every time I stick my net in the water, the fish doesn't like it. It tries to leave the net. Here's the deal. 
You have friends and family around you that are not going to just jump up and down and all of a sudden wind up either going to church one day or say, hey, would you just tell me about Jesus? It doesn't work that way. Very little in life works that way. And that's why Paul said, it's my job to do whatever it takes to engage and live and to be with people, to cross the barriers and to get with them into their world. Now, I could lay in bed when it comes to fishing season, you know, and just be like, oh, I want to sleep in. Oh, it feels so nice. But it's amazing. My chances of catching fish go up astronomically just by getting in a boat and out on the water. It's amazing. So for us as people, what, here's the mistake we make sometimes. Well, none of my family's interested. It's so hard. None of my friends or coworker like that. It just, it's just so hard. And actually what we're really doing in that moment, we're like the guy laying in bed. like, yeah, the fish aren't biting today. I just, I know the wind's not right. It just, it's too this, it's too cold, it's too hot. I, I just know there's no fish. Well, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that way. I was told the story recently of a sister church of ours that was planted in a little community of, of, called Ilion, um, Ilion, New York. It's over near Utica. And there's a young woman there who's, uh, who trusted Christ maybe two or three years ago. In fact, she's the next door neighbor of the guy who started the church there. It took like two years for her to trust uh, the, the, uh, the, the church planner and his wife, uh, Dean and Elaine. And when the walls finally came down, she was so hungry for the gospel. And God changed her life radically, got... She got off drugs and all kinds of stuff. Well, just recently, so she's been in the church, fast forward now, a couple of years. And just uh, a few weeks ago, her son was in the church, her teenage son. He had gotten up and gone to church a little early to help set up, and mom was still getting ready. And he texted his mom, Mom, you won't believe who's in church. Aunt so-and-so just walked in the door. The woman's sister just walked in the door, and she's like, what? And when she went to church, she's like, what are you doing here? And you know what her sister said? Well, my neighbor invited me. Her neighbor was somebody that was going to the church too. The sister was floored that her own sister would go to church. Now, guys, that's been you and me plenty of times, all right? We, we, you know, the attitude thing, so we have to serve others, commit that, but we also got to realize we serve a big God. When I go fishing, do I catch fish every time? Nope. Do I catch a lot every time? Nope. But I've learned this. If I fish enough, I'm going to catch some fish. If you engage enough and you have that servant's heart around you and the people around you, you put some hooks in the water, along the way you're going to catch some. It's just the way it works. It's the way it works. So Paul tells us that our job is to build bridges, not barriers, to leave where we are and to go and engage people where they are. That's why as a church, we want to do ministries and be out and about and everything even that we do and hear when people walk in the door to be open and inviting and all of that. So third thing quickly is not only do we need to, um, is attitude everything, not only do we need to build bridges and not barriers, but the third thing I want us to recognize is that we need to keep our, our eye on the prize. Keep our, our eye on the goal. Look what Paul says. He says in verse 23, I do it all. He's like, guys, you, you want to know what makes me tick? You guys are struggling to get me as an apostle. I do all of this. I do it for one purpose and one purpose alone. For the sake of the gospel. The gospel being that Jesus died, was buried, and rose for our sins and that I may share with them in its blessings. 
Guys, I'm the one who's going to adapt. I'm the one who's willing to get uncomfortable. I'm the one who's willing to put myself out there and to, to be flexible and, and to be in other people's worlds and to be willing to deal with a little bit of rejection along the way. I'm the one. I do it for this one thing. I do it for the good news of Jesus Christ that I want other people to share in that with me. Paul's like, I'm doing this voluntarily that other people might have the same blessing that I know of having a relationship with a God in heaven who forgives us of all of our junk in the past, who hits the reset button in life. In fact, He doesn't just reset everything. He reconstructs and rebuilds everything. God doesn't refurbish us. He reinvents us, makes us a new, brand new creation in Him when we surrender our life to Jesus. And our, our life is lived out in these days with a, a connection and a relationship with the God of heaven that we know that we're loved, that we know that we're accepted, that we also know we still screw up, that He somehow, and I still don't know how God does this, that He corrects us. And it doesn't feel good initially, but in the end it feels good because He's fixing us at the same time. And He changes our life continuously the rest of our life. One of the mistakes that sometimes Christians make, that especially if you've been a Christian a long time, is that, well, my, I had my life changed story. I was that guy. I was that person, that woman. And boy, my life changed. That's good. But God also wants to continuously change our life because the rest of our life he wants to bring into alignment and to bring into relationship with Him more and more, and it's an ongoing change. And so Paul, as he, as he ministered and he served, he's like, I want people to experience that blessing, that salvation. I want them to not die and be separated from a holy God in heaven for all of eternity when there's no hope afterwards. I want them to, to be in heaven. I want them to... To, to not just make life about what's on this earth. Guys, if you make your life about what's on this earth, when you die, that's all that you will have ever had. But when you make your life about what is eternal and about what God has given us, then this life is a very temporary passing kind of thing. And what is secure and what's lasting, we go into eternity with our relationship with God in heaven and we have for forever to enjoy and to be with Him. It's two very different, radical kinds of things. And Paul said, I want everybody to live that way. And he was fixated and focused on that. I was supposed to fly last Saturday to South Carolina. I was supposed to, uh, in fact, go to the, to the visit the church that, that we're partnering with that comes up and helps us do those block parties, Bethlehem Baptist Church, and was just connecting, going to connect with them, say thank you and that kind of thing. But uh, Florence did a little bit to adjust my schedule. In fact, I was supposed to literally, where I was headed was right where the hurricane was, was uh, going after it came ashore. And so I obviously, I didn't do that. Instead, I went to a, another church plan of ours uh, that just launched last Sunday up in Malta. And, uh, and so, um, wow, that doesn't happen often, but it just did. Why was I telling you that little story? Um, to keep our focus. Oh, so can you imagine? I had to backtrack that. Can you imagine? We all saw the flooding with Florence, right? I mean, just unbelievable kinds of flooding that went on, historical, cataclysmic. Wouldn't it be odd to see people taking selfies with themselves and all the destruction, you know, 
in the middle of that. They're like, oh, look at all this water. I'm going to go kayaking. I think it's going to be great fishing. I heard all oh, the surf's up. This is going to be fantastic water. We're never going to... I mean, we would be like, uh, yo, you, you got real issues, dude. What are you doing? Like, there's people that need help. Don't you hear that lady screaming over here? Don't you see those kids floating down river? Like, this is not the time to play. This is not the time to be trying to update your Facebook status so that you can see everybody how cool it is that you're there with a flood and doing whatever your thing. I mean, we would just be like, what a jerk, right? But here's the thing. Spiritually, this is hard for us to feel because we live in it like fish live in water. We are living in the middle of a spiritual disaster that every person around us is born, separated from God, apart from Him, lost in their sin. And we get habituated to that and we get used to that. And we even as Christians, sometimes we can get judgmental at it. Oh, I can't believe they did that. Oh, how horrible. Oh my goodness, look at all this terrible stuff going on around us. And reality is, is it's a spiritual disaster. And if we're not careful as Christians, we become that guy. We become that person taking our little selfies in life and just doing our little thing and ignoring everybody around us. They're just like, oh, I hope they get it figured out one day. Boy, I hope so. And God is like, guys, keep your eye on the prize. Keep your eye on the goal. I pray for, I've prayed for years from our church for God to bring us into contact with two kinds of people. Not just people that come into our door, but people that you know and meet that even become interested in where we are. But two kinds of people. One, people who are completely away from God and have no relationship with Jesus. I pray for those. I pray we have lots of those individuals. And the second kind of person I pray for is that I pray for those individuals that will help us to engage and reach those kinds of people. So if you are here at River today, chances are you're one of those two, unless you're just a guest passing through or whatever, you know, and, and here with family or friends. But those are the two kinds of people that we pray for, people that need to know Jesus and people that will help reach and engage people to know Jesus. Because at the end of the day, guys, here's what we're after as a church. We're not trying to become a 5,000 mega, member mega church. I, I have no interest in... In, in that, I would, to be perfectly honest, I would rather plant five churches running 200 each before I would, that math, right? That's a thousand, right? Five times 200, okay, is a thousand. Then I would just us grow up and be a thousand. I would much rather do that. Why? Because there's people sitting over in Colony right now who are interested in God and spiritual things, but they're either don't have a church that they feel comfortable with or there's not a church engaging them, leaving their comfort zone and building bridges into their life, and they're never going to come here. So I'd rather go to them over there. I would much rather do that. You know what our focus needs to be and to continue? It's to introduce people to Jesus and those that know Jesus and follow Jesus, we help them to grow and to know Him even more. So it's about making disciples. And I've learned along the way, though, by the way, if you make disciples, that is a great way to have a church that honors God and it's just amazing what God does. So just so you know, a little, little insight into my world, we're not trying to make this thing enormous, but we are watching our new people being introduced to Jesus. Are people moving through the process? Are they, do they have the opportunity to know what that even means? Are we engaging them? Are we discipling well? Are we helping people grow in their faith? That's what we're all about as a church. 
And what Paul challenges you and me this morning is, is to make sure that we don't move far at all from that in our own personal lives. Well, Sean, I'm not a pastor. I, you're, I, yep, I get it. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if I know how to, and all of that. Yep. So here's the deal. You don't need to be an apostle and you don't need to do everything, but you can do something. All right. You see a little piece of paper in front of you. I forgot to get mine. So let me put it right here. So to everybody, you, hopefully you had one of these in the chairs. If you don't grab it, you may have wondered what that was, threw it on the floor. So here's what, here's what we're entering into for the month of October. We're calling it Everyone Win One. Paul said, I'm willing to engage everybody I can that I might win some. So let's throttle it back to your real world and my real word, world. And that's, that's that we would engage a few or some so that we might win one. And this is what I'm challenging you to do this morning is very simple. It's kind of three, two, one. Pick three people that you know, you may not know their name even. It may be the guy at the gas station that you see every time you get gas. I don't know. It may be your classmate. It may be somebody on the other side of the room. It may be your, your close friend. It may be your neighbor across the street that you have only met one time. But I want you to pick three people that you're pretty sure don't know Jesus and I want you to commit to pray for them in the month of October. Month of October, four weeks, 31 days, right? Two, I want you to pick out of those three, two of them, as you pray for them, God, what would the next step be that I need to do to engage them for you? For some of them, it may be if it's a neighbor across the street you've never met, maybe a neighbor just moved in, it may be like, oh, I want to go take them some cookies and just introduce myself and invite them to church. I wouldn't do that because my cookies are horrible, and I would lie. I'd be like, here, I made you some cookies, and that would be a lie. I'm not going to rule over them like, here, you know. Maybe I'd take my kids if they made them, but... And just invite them to church. If they don't come, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. Because why? You've introduced yourself, they know you, and they know you're a person of faith. You just created a bridge. You just took down a barrier, and you just created a bridge. So pick three people to pray for, two of those that you take the next step with. I used to be feel so guilty uh, in, in evangelism and sharing the gospel and all of that because I felt like I was, the, the mentality was I felt like I had to win the World Series with one at bat. Like I had to just do everything all at once. And I misunderstood the power of God and how God works in people's lives and steps and all of that. So what I'm asking you to do in the sports world, I guess it's football season more now than baseball, but it's like positive yardage. Baseball world, just get a hit and get on base, right? Just, just have some positive forward kind of things going on. And if you do this, it's like putting the hook in the water. You do it along the way, the fish are going to bite, and you're going to see one person somewhere along the way who begins to respond because God the Holy Spirit is at work, and they're going to receive Christ down the road. So the goal is to pray for three people. Sometime in the month of October, pick two of them and do the next step with them, whatever that might be. Invite them to church. There's lots of things that you could do with them. And then the goal is one, very simply, that one of them would be one to Jesus. Not necessarily in the month of October. Pick a date. In the next year, next two years. I don't know. That's the plan. So what I want you to do, you don't have to write the three names down today, okay? 
but I want you to think about it and ask God, put it on your mind. Don't, if you've been praying for people for years, Sean, I've been praying for people for years and I haven't seen anything done, then okay, put one or two of those down, but make sure at least one of those people is brand new that you haven't really focused on or prayed about. And ask God, show me who's in my wheelhouse, who's around me, God, because we just, we become unintentionally like those people floating around in the middle of a flood and we're just oblivious because we all have our own stuff and we're trying to survive. Uh, we're dealing with our own flood, but God in the middle of that also wants us to help other people in their spiritual flood as well. And so think of those three people. And I'm going to ask by next week that actually we're going to have two of these. And what I'd like for you to do, if, if you're willing to have three that, names that you put down on a paper that you keep, and then I want you next week, or next two weeks, if you're not here next week, to take another one, fill it out with the names, and drop them in the bucket because I want our pastors to pray for each and every one of those and join with you in that. And asking God to open doors and to help you to take that next step with a couple of people. Whatever makes sense to you. Ask God, God, is it inviting somebody to coffee? Maybe it's inviting a couple to your house. Maybe it's inviting a couple to your house that have been your good friends and inviting a couple from the church that you know as well. And just, and, and just engaging and giving opportunity and allowing your friends to say, oh, wow, there's another side to you that I didn't fully know and be aware. But whatever makes sense to take that next step. Does that make sense, everybody? All right. How many of you think that you could join us at some level in this? Does that seem like a reasonable thing? Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to bring our team up, our worship team, and, uh, and I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And I want us to pray for those individuals and for you to begin thinking about who you should write for that. So join with me in prayer, would you? Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus. And God, I thank you for Paul's testimony. Lord, it was out of his commitment of absolute fearless commitment to be uncomfortable, but to build bridges for the gospel that every one of us here have the opportunity to know you today. And most of us do. Lord, I'm grateful for that. Thank you for the bridges that have been built. There's no person who knows Jesus that hasn't had somebody in their life that paid the price to step out of their comfort zone and to engage someone else. Lord, thank you. Thank you for that. And I pray, Father, that everyone win one, that each one of us might experience you helping take that next step. Lord, may we live just as Andy, in a, just as humility and innocence, caring about his family and trying to create conversation and help them take steps. He did what made sense and that you led him into. God, may we follow that example, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.